Hello, a big thank you for downloading this episode of the Dad Mindset Show, where we explore different perspectives on parenthood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, we have a very special guest who has inspired countless parents and athletes to achieve much more than they ever thought possible. His name is Dick Hoyt, and he and his son Rick have competed in over a thousand races, including Ironman competitions and even running across the United States in 45 days. The only catch is that Dick's son Rick was diagnosed at birth as a spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy, and in a triathlon, Dick will pull Rick in a boat with a bungee cord attached to a vest around his waist and to the front of the boat for the swimming stage. For the biking stage, Rick will ride in a special two-seater bicycle and then Dick will push Rick in a custom-made running chair for the running stage. In the early days, Dick and his wife Judy fought to integrate Rick into the public school system, pushing administrators to see beyond Rick's physical limitations and are such an inspiration in not giving up and saying, yes, you can. Dick Hoyt, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. You know, you have been such an inspiration to me. I think I came across your story about 17 or 18 years ago, well before I was even a father. Can you tell us about how it all started, Dick? Yes, I will. I want to take you back to January 10th, 1962, and that was Rick's birth. Rick was a very active baby, and when he was being born, he turned himself over. And the umbilical cord got twisted around his neck. And that caused a lack of oxygen to Rick's brain, which caused brain damage. At the time, the doctors said, forget Rick, put him away, put him in an institution. He's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. And at the time, my wife was 17 and I was 18. And we said, no, we're not going to put Rick away. We're going to bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child, and this is what we have done. Rick has been mainstreamed and included all of his life. Today, Rick is 58 years old. He's graduated from public high school. He's graduated from Boston University. He lives all by himself in his own apartment, and Rick and I have competed in over 1,200 athletic events all over the world uh, it's absolutely amazing what you guys have done as team hoyt dick Can, what were the challenges back in those days because surely this was something quite extraordinary to actually to go mainstream one of the hardest things you had to fight wasn't it well that that is true because when rick and i first started the, like the boston marathon and, and all these other races they didn't want anything to do with us because they didn't know what to do with us. But uh, when Rick was attending a South Middle School in Westfield, Massachusetts, his gym teacher got him involved in all the gym activities with all the other children. At, other, at one of the gym meetings, they made an announcement that one of the lacrosse players from the college was in an accident and was paralyzed from the waist down. And they're going to have a road race to try to help him raise some money so he could pay his medical bills. Well, when Rick came home from that game, he told me all about it. He said, Dad, I have to do something for him. I want to let him know life goes on. Even though he's paralyzed, I want to run in the race. 
Well, at the time, I was not a runner. And that's all we had was this big wheelchair that Rick was sitting in. But we went down to the race. It was a five-mile race. And Rick and I ran in the race. And we come in next to last, but not last. <laughs> and, and and when you say um, Rick actually told you, like he has to use a machine, doesn't he? Uh, like the technology had to be developed early on. Yeah. See, when when Rick was the bond and the doctor said, forget him, put him away, put him in an institution, we said no. And what we did is when Rick grew up and older, we looked into things and we decided we went into Boston and we talked to some engineers and talked and stuff and so we told them that we wanted rick to go to high school and college like everybody else so they were able to build this computer so rick was able to talk on the computer and that's how we got to go to high school and college and he uses that computer every day he does speaking engagements on his own he does speaking engagements with me when we go to different places so when you actually finished that 5K race then, uh, sorry, five-mile race, so what, what was that like? What, what, did, what did Rick say? Uh, Rick said, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like my disability disappears. But there was only one problem after that. I was disabled. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't walk for about two weeks. So I told Rick, if we're going to continue running, I'm going to have to get out there and we're going to have to get a chair built so we can run in races. So we went up to Crotchet Mountain in Greenfield, New Hampshire, and we met an engineer up there and we told him what we wanted for a chair. And he built this chair for us. And Rick and I got this chair and we went over to Springfield, Massachusetts. And that's where we ran our very first 10k road race and it was unbelievable but you over there because people didn't know what to do with us <laughs> and you know, people didn't want us in the race but you know we went over there and we ran and we had a good run and after that rick and i used to go to a different town and city and run and finally people started coming up to us and talking to us and they get to rick, that rick had a personality and a sense of humor and he loved to be in the run, middle of running with everybody else. And so after these few races, Rick and I decided we wanted to run the Boston Marathon. So we applied to the Boston Athletic Association, and they turned us down. They said, no, you can't run because you're different than anybody else. But the Boston Marathon has a wheelchair division, so we applied through them. But they also turned us down saying, no, you're different than us. You can't run with us. But what they did say is, if you want, you can line up behind us and run. And that's what we did. And that's when we ran in our first Boston Marathon. And we were able to finish our first Boston Marathon in three hours and 15 minutes. And that beat 89% of all the other runners. I know it's it's a fantastic time and and to to back up a little bit it's actually really hard to get into the Boston Marathon just in general isn't it there's a, a cutoff time that you have to get to actually qualify right exactly but right now team Hoyt they say you guys are the Boston Marathon <laughs> oh, uh, 
Can you tell us a bit about Team Hoyt? Yeah, Team Hoyt. Well, you know, what we did, Rick and I ran in the Marine Corps Marathon, and that's what we we had our qualifying time into, into the Boston Marathon. And that's when we did two hours and 45 minutes, which qualified Rick and I to do Boston Marathon. That's a pretty fantastic time, Dick. That's amazing. So, um, I mean, how long did it take you to actually get up to that level, uh, the two of you to actually, you know, compete at that distance? Rick and I, we did a lot of running together and a lot of training and stuff because we wanted to go out and do it. And Rick, like I said, Rick said, when I'm out there running, my disability disappears. Yeah. So that made me want to run more. Yeah, and uh, like you must have spent hours and hours. In some respects, it it must have been a huge gift to spend such amazing amounts of time with your son. Yes, well, it was awesome because we we really got to know each other, you know. Because we we were all we were spending time all together, you know. It was just him and I that were out there running in all of these races. What was your actually daily routine, uh, well, training routine like, Dick? Well, I I did a lot of training. I used to get up in the morning and I, I used to go out and run about an hour, an hour and a half, and then I'd try to run again at the end of the day for a couple of hours. Yeah. Wow. But then, <laughs> then we got into doing triathlons and that's, you know, <laughs> I ended up buying a house on a lake because I did not know how to swim. So when I got down here in a lake, they took me out in a boat and they dumped me off in the <laughs> middle of the lake. And that's how I learned how to swim so, <laughs> we, so we could do triathlons. Yeah. Uh, who actually, what was the step? What, who, what was the decision that said, yep, triathlon it is, let's go? Who, who came up with that? Uh, well, I was the one that really wanted it because I really wanted to do triathlons. You know, I said, well, we're just out there running. But now why can't we do some swimming and biking, you know? And Dave McGilfrey, who is part of the Boston Marathon, and he he lived in Medford, and Rick and I lived in North Reading. So we used to do some of his races, and they had some short triathlons. And so... I asked Dave, I said, do you think Rick and I can do some mar- some triathlons? And he said, well, how are you going to do that? <laughs> so I, I told him, I said, well, we're going to get a boat. I'm going to pull him in a boat when we swim. I said, I'm going to have a special bike built. And Rick sits in front of the bike, you know, and then that's we do the biking. And then we get off and we do our running. How did that go with the initial tests? Like, did you get out there with the boat and and try different versions of things? What was that process like, Dick? Yeah, that was really neat. And what was funny is uh, there was a lot of other people that were out there swimming, and I guess they were having a hard time. So every once in a while, we'd have somebody holding on to the boat, (laughs) you know, and it didn't bother me because I, I thought that they were having problems, you know, so they could hold on to the boat. But it, it's just amazing that that happened, you know. <laughs> How many people do you reckon were hanging on the boat most of the time? Well, I think the most we ever had was three. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> oh, that's fantastic, Dick. The um, that must have been quite a bit of drag they were adding there. I hope they were kicking a little bit. Yeah, yes, it was. But you know, after a while, they did let go. Yeah. You know? You had reporters doing it too. Pictures, people taking pictures when yeah. you were in Kona. Yeah, yeah. We had Kathy was just saying we had uh, pictures taken when we were in Kona. We, uh, people photographers taking photographers out. taking pictures of that happening. Oh wow! <laughs> and I mean, you're out in the ocean as well when you're doing a, an Ironman triathlon like Kona. The conditions aren't exactly, you know, kind, are they? What were some of the challenges no. that you had? Yeah, the uh, especially the one in Kona. Kona, uh, the swim wasn't that bad, you know, but the the biking was. The biking, well, the first time we went out on a bike, uh, we were biking up the road, and all of a sudden this helicopter came down, and they were taking videos of Rick and I, and I was in the process of giving Rick a drink, and it's the, the helicopter, it sprayed all of the drink that I was giving Rick all over his body. Oh, oh. So he had to stay there soaking wet for the rest of the, the Ironman triathlon in Kona, Hawaii. And the bike course out there is very, very tough. When you go out there, there's a lot of hills, and especially when you go to, to turn around, there is a long hill to get up it, and then you got to turn around and can come back up it again. But I, I just loved the course, and it, it was just amazing that we were able to do what we did down there. Yeah, what was the feel around with all the other athletes? Did they really get behind you? Yes, they did. At, at first, nobody knew what to do with us, you know, but then the pro athletes saw what we were doing. And, and they found out that we were doing shorter triathlons and stuff like that. So we became very good friends with all the top uh, pro triathletes. Oh, it's, uh, it's amazing. I think I remember one interview that you did uh, years ago when someone said, how long are you going to keep doing this for? And, and I remember you saying something along the lines of, until we come last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So um with the like whether I guess with the um the swim section, so when you transition, so you're actually literally picking Rick up, carrying him, putting him into the bike. Now bikes wouldn't have been you wouldn't yeah. have been able to get courier bikes and stuff in those days either. There must have been quite a lot of work that went into creating the first bike. Yes, it's something that we had to train doing, you know, getting out of the boat and me picking him up and putting him in my arms and then trying to, you know, where the dock is and how you get out of the water and stuff because I had to carry him and run with him to where the bike is set up. Yes. Wow. And then going through the lava fields, like you say, the amount of wind that you must have been up against with, I guess... yeah, the the winds the winds were, were pretty bad too at certain times. Yes. Wow. Now moving on from that, I guess y- you created a phenomenon, the two of you, and and it's sort of grown and blossomed from there. So what sort of when did it start to pick up, Dick? The the whole sort of team Hoyt got grabbed by the media and everyone got behind you. It started picking up when, like you say, the me- the media you know, came to us and talked to us about doing stuff. And 
And then we found out about all these different triathlons and, and marathons that were all over the world. And then Rick and I were able to do it. You know, we've done Ironmans in Canada. We've done them in Germany. We've done them in Japan. We're down in El Salvador, El Salvador, when they were at war competing down there. We've just had so many different types of experiences. But the people were all behind us, especially when we get out of the United States. Everybody loved us over there. And we were the only ones out there, you know, pushing somebody. Yeah. I mean, Japan in particular was uh, was a massive sort of turning point for uh, actually the, the way disability was perceived in Japan, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Because at first, you know, they do have people over in Japan that are like Rick. And at, at the time, I think we really had some helped Japan because they weren't using their children like Rick, like we were using Rick, you know. And I think they learned a lot from how we were bringing Rick up and stuff like that. So I really feel that after we went and visited their schools, and made presentations at the schools, stuff like that, that the people over in Japan get a better education after Rick and I were over there. Yeah, and it's gone on to inspire teams to set up, well, Team Hoyts to set up all around the world now, hasn't it? Right, yes, it has, yeah. Are there any yeah. notable sort of, um, I guess, it, it must be it feel amazing getting feedback from all the teams all around the world doing such amazing things, raising raising money and everything. Oh, oh, yeah, it really is. And matter of fact, right now, we get 10 states in the United States, and they call themselves Team Hoyt, and then the name of the states. And they're, they're so awesome, and they're getting bigger and bigger, and I think it's getting stronger and stronger. And now they are building Team Hoyt running chairs. <laughs> And it's, it's just amazing what's happened. And these people, that they have so much fun now. And we have so much fun with them. And we, you know, we go and do different races with them all over the world and stuff. So it's, it's just awesome. Uh-huh. And it, I feel it's going to get bigger and bigger. And I, I also get a call from Russia. And they wanted us to go over there and do a race and do some speaking engagements, you know. But that that hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens with that. Not yet. So well, yeah, what what other things are on the cards then? Because I mean, how old are you now? Me? Oh, I'm only eighty years old. <laughs> I know. Young. Yeah, Eddie is Not young. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 Rick sort of. Um, what did you say? Fifty nine as well, right? Fifty eight. He's fifty eight. Wow. I mean, it's uh, it's an inspiration just in itself that you guys are doing so much. Uh, you know, uh, eighty years, eighty years young, and fifty eight years young. So uh, yeah, uh, I'm blown away. So the when when you're doing stuff at the moment, what's the What's it actually that when you're out in the other countries and so on? What are the, I guess the, the things that people really resonate with what you've done, the two of you? What, what's the thing that they take away the most? I think, because well, 
one time we were up doing the Ironman in Canada and Parade Magazine was up there to do a feature story on Rick and I. And when we get up there, they went and, and they, I, I don't go and look at the course uh, at all before I do it because I know I got to go out there and do it. But the day before the, the race, they went out and rode the bike course and they come down to Rick and I and they said, there's no way you guys can finish this bike. It's one of the best bikes we ever had. <laughs> do they, the more they talk, we can't do it, the better we're going to do. That's right. And and what's the phrase that you guys actually came up with to inspire? So the the, 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 whole, the whole yes, yes, we uh, yes, you can. Yeah, that's that's our message. Yes, you can. There isn't anything you can't do as long as you make up your mind to do it. Yeah. That's brilliant, Dick. Now, I guess there's been so many people that were naysayers all along the way. It must have felt fantastic to just go, nah, we're just going to go do this and then just finish it off. I mean, you must have really changed thousands and thousands of people's perceptions around what can be achieved. Right. Yes, there's no doubt about that. And we do have a lot of families out there now that are doing it. And I think it's going to grow and keep growing all these years because the, the children they're bringing up are younger and they're going to get older and they're going to get more involved. And I just feel most of them are just running right now. But I just feel that a lot of them eventually will end up doing triathlons. What sort of advice would you, I guess, if you were to go back to when you first um, became a father, I guess, Dick, what advice would you give yourself? Would you, would there be anything that you'd actually sort of, you know, say to yourself in those early days? I just think that they, we did the right thing in those early days. Like when the doctor said, put Rick away, put him in institution, he's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. And we said no. So we brought him up like any other child. And this is what we have done. And that was easy, you know, because we went into Boston and talked to compete people to make computers and stuff like that. So Rick could communicate and go to school by himself. And he ended up going. That was one of my toughest days was because we lived out in Westfield. And it's a two-hour ride to Boston University. And for me to drive him all the way into Boston and leave him there by himself to go to college was very difficult. Yeah. And it was um, the whole family as well. So as a family unit, it must have been quite a team effort um, to actually all the logistics and all everything that you did together. Yes, yes, it definitely was. And matter of fact, when Rick was born, you know, when the doctor said, put him away, put him in institution, we said, no, we're going to bring him home. Well, we brought him home and we started a camp for kids. You know, the, our family with Rick's two brothers and his mother and I. And what we did is we started a camp for kids. So that special needs and other people that didn't have any problems and we got them all together and at the time I was in the military so we started it we had a great big tent that we were able to bought you know to help 
And, and that's what we first started with before we were able to get a building to put in. And we ended up building this camp and we ended up making cottages and stuff and trails all over the place. And we have swimming pools and everything else. And matter of fact, they just called me up and it's 48 years old and it's still going strong. <laughs> that's amazing, Dick. I'm so impressed. So I guess what message would you have right now for parents um you know with with children and children with disabilities is there a particular message you'd have for for parents out there it, it just my message is yes you can there's anything you can't do as long as you make up your mind to do it and i love parents if they have problems to call us up and talk with us and we can give them some advice Here's another story. Um, you know, we used to do a lot of camping out and stuff when the boys were younger. And we used to climb mountains and stuff like that. And we were climbing Mount Monacnock in New Hampshire. And I was ahead of my wife at the time and the other two boys. And we're going up and I, you know, I was carrying Rick on my shoulders and moving him around. There's other family coming down the mountain and they just looked at us, you know, and they couldn't believe it. And they, and when they got down to me, my wife was with the other two boys. They said, did you see that guy going up the mountain? The son, his son is dead. He's going up to sacrifice him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we did we did cross country skiing and stuff like that, and we play hockey out here. I live in a lake here, and we put Rick in as the goalie, and we put a sheet of plywood in front of the goal so nobody could shoot it in and stuff <laughs> like that. But every every event that we got in, Rick was included. We found somehow that Rick we could do it with Rick. Yeah, amazing. And it it was a to a large part it was Rick's. Um, sort of compassion and everything that led a lot of the things that you did, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dick, I think you've had such an uh, an amazing life so far and you guys have done such incredible things and uh, an amazing inspiration to to the world over really and i just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the hard work you've done and is there any way that people can reach out and help or get behind you or is there anything you'd like people to to look up or or help with we have a great website so we really appreciate if people go to our website and we do have books available and DVDs available for anybody that's looking for information, how they can get involved in helping people with disabilities to get involved in every daily activities, just like everybody else. Fantastic, Dick. Well, you've been an inspiration to me, certainly, and to countless others. I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dick Hoyt. If you'd like to find out more about his story and Team Hoyt, go to the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Now, with coronavirus putting us all in lockdown at the moment, I hope you're hanging in there and coping with homeschooling. I'm finding it's not exactly the easiest thing to do from a standing start, so I'm planning some interviews with experts who can help us in this area. 
If you have any thoughts, challenges, or particular questions around homeschooling, please email me at rich at thedadmindset.com. In the meantime, have a great week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage.